0: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Hey guys, you ever wonder what Phil and I wear while we podcast? You can find out if you join our Patreon We'll also be talking about the films of 1989, but that's definitely less important than seeing our Zoom backgrounds, our headphone choices, and our sweatshirts. It's true.
0: It's true. You'll get to see all the various pieces of artwork that I have framed on my office wall, and you can see Kenny's garden, sort of. So that's something. That's exciting. It's a hanging garden. It's a hanging garden. Uh, But perhaps more important than anything, uh, we are doing this Patreon to cover the best films of 1989. Uh, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2 with amazing guests like Tom Meissen, Liz Hanna, Joanna Robinson, Brian Cogman, Chuck Hayward. You can sign up at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. And for $5, you'll get access to all the audio of these fantastic episodes. For a few bucks more, you'll get video as well of our 99 and 89 episodes. And perhaps most importantly, you'll be supporting us uh, so we can just keep making podcast content for you guys.
1: And welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999 The podcast where we talk about the TV shows of 1999 From atop a football-shaped head here in 2021 <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart
0: And I'm Felisco
1: And with us today uh, from Variety, I believe the chief TV critic at Variety is Caroline Framke um, Hello. Thank you so much for joining us
2: Thank you for giving me an excuse to talk about Hey Arnold.
1: Who needs an
2: excuse?
0: (laughs) We very much appreciate you coming on to talk about this show. A show that I feel like I knew existed. Just because, you know, uh, I I, I grew up in Canada. So a lot of these Nickelodeon shows kind of made it up to Canada, but didn't all make it up there. And this Mm -hmm. feels like one of those shows that was clumped in with like Doug... And, uh, uh, the Rugrats, uh, perhaps that kind of, and, and I obviously aged out of that around that time. I was, I was, I am older. Um, but my roommate uh, who is about 10 years younger than me, uh, saw me watching Hey Arnold the other day and was like, this was the greatest show ever. And I grew up on this show and I loved every minute of it. So I think there is a generation gap here, perhaps. But why was this show so important to you? And, and, and how did it come into your life?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you talk about it getting clumped in with those others because it does have roots in that. Um, the creator, Craig Bartlett, started, well, he actually started as an animator on Wee's Playhouse where he first started making little Hey Arnold shorts, so you can see those somewhere. Um, which makes
0: sense, totally. Which there's makes there's, total yeah. sense.
2: <laughs> yeah. um, and then he was on Rugrats for a really long time. Um, so Rugrats and Doug predated Hey Arnold by a few years. I think actually, literally today, the day we're recording, is the 30th anniversary of Doug and Rugrats, which is crazy. There you um, go. And I'm just not going to think about it too hard. <laughs> but um, Hank hey Arnold was a few years later okay. after he stopped with Rugrats. Um, but I was definitely a Nickelodeon kid. I feel like, um, you know, there are definitely genres of American TV watching kid. Um, either your parents don't have any of the channels, so you're watching like PBS. Um, there's like yeah. Nick at Night kid, which is also me. Um, a Nickelodeon <laughs> kid. And then there was like Disney Channel kid. And I wasn't a Disney Channel kid. Um Interesting. So, I've so seen, we don't allow
1: uh, we don't allow <laughs> again, channel kids on
0: I mean we did do it's smart like house recording. a few weeks ago, but yeah, I mean that, that I know was well a, there's so yeah. many
2: gaps in my knowledge. Like I was watching <laughs> all that, Rugrats, right. Doug. Sure, sure. Um I didn't actually watch A Real Monsters because it scared me. Um my mm-hmm. mom <laughs> didn't let me watch Red and Stimpy because it seemed crude. Good parenting.
1: Um, I yeah, exactly. Red and
0: Stimpy is kind of brilliant though. I mean I'm sure I, it, it is. I just yeah. I
2: never I, watched it at the time. Um because I, I didn't like it, Kenny?
1: No, I hated it. I,
2: the, I, so
1: Fair enough. I, I I was a Nick kid too, uh, very much so. It was it was my my identity with being a Nick kid, right? You know the 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 whole kids rule um, yes. was very important to me. I hated parents. <laughs> I hated authority. I hated teachers. I wanted Nickelodeon to you know slime my school very or take over my school very uh, very badly. I yeah. I think uh the Ringers doing a whole thing this week on the 30th anniversary of the Nicktoons and they're expanding that to be a whole Nickelodeon thing and the article Katie Baker wrote about it starts with a, a couple paragraphs on the um the time capsule. Do you remember that? I think so. I remember so. it yeah. vividly. <laughs> I remember yeah. the last item to go in was Joey Lawrence giving a hat that says whoa on it as if anyone <laughs> would care. So you I cared, am a, clearly. I mean, you oh, did. Yeah. I <laughs>
0: never,
1: never forgot it. Never forgot it. it. Was what's so weird is like I I really thought that was going to be a seminal moment. You know the uh, the time capsule. Yes. And in fifty years, kids would be like, can you believe what kids were were into? It never stopped. Like no one ever. No, there 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 is no gap. Everyone knows exactly what's in the time capsule. Katie Baker just said exactly what's in it. So all right. Point being. <laughs> yeah, yes.
2: yeah. But I do feel like there was. There's, I mean, I think it's good that you bring up, like, the no, like, it was just all kids, no parents thing, because I do think like there was kind of, whether on purpose or not, like, this branding sort of battle between Disney and Nickelodeon, where Nickelodeon was, like, we're for the kids who just, like... Go and play in the mud without their parents, yeah. and you don't know where they are. And Disney's like a little bit more teacher's pet. Let's be real, well, yeah. It, not that I wasn't a teacher's pet sometimes, but like <laughs> Nickelodeon made me like feel the fantasy of being like the. Well, they're tumble- rebellious
0: kids, right? Like they feel a little rebellious, at least in within hey the context. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say most of these kids feel because there's so few parental characters yeah. or adult characters, there is this kind of. Renegade kind of vibe to them just because they're sure. all kind of, yeah. So,
2: yeah, I feel like, um, for me, I mean, I didn't grow up in a city, I grew up in a suburb, but there was still, I could still recognize a little bit of that. Like, your parents aren't, you know, totally paying attention yet. So, you're just sure. like on your street with your friends. Um, obviously, the Hey Arnold kids go way further afield of their street, they go on subways, they go to islands, they go all over the place. Um, but that was such a cool fantasy to sort of vicariously live. And also I do feel like the city in Hey Arnold is so cool and vibrant. And, you know, it it's is. such a cliche to be like, it's a character all its own, but that was very much a part of, I've been um, lucky enough to talk with Craig Bartlett on and off over the years. Cause I wrote this in my first articles for AV club. I wrote the 10 like rep- most representative Hey Arnold episodes. And he reached out cause he liked it. That was in 2013, which is hard to think about now, but <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and I'm reading it, and it's not so embarrassing. So if you do want like the ten episodes of here Arnold, you can search for that. We'll, we'll link there. to the article.
1: The we'll, before we'll times,
2: plan. exactly Four times. But it's just like he very consciously was like this city is going to be its own thing, and he borrowed from like New York, Detroit. He's from Seattle, so there's a lot of Seattle in there, Portland, and kind of made this mishmash of this city. Where I was like, I don't live in the city, I can imagine living in the city. And now I do live in a city and maybe partly because I was like, Hey Arnold made it look really cool. Hey Arnold, did you like the city?
1: (laughs) Well, I think it's interesting that, so, I mean, you would, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems like Hey Arnold is your favorite Nicktoon. Hmm.
2: Uh, Yeah, I think so. I think I was really, I was really into Rugrats and I was really mm -hmm. into Doug. And then Hey Arnold happened and we're going to talk about her because I chose an episode that's all about Helga G. Pataki, who is like, such a revelation to me when I saw her.
0: Your like, spirit animal?
2: Well, when you say, you know, when you ask people the age-old question of, like, when did you first see yourself on TV? Like, that was it.
0: Like, <laughs> Helga was it. I mean, That's she amazing. Was,
2: <laughs> she was an angry little kid who, <laughs> like, secretly wrote about everything and had so many feelings and a really prominent unibrow, which I did have at the time. And a fight back every day of my life because I'm Persian. <laughs> She's not. But she had the unibrow, so she can be honorarily.
0: It was one of her defining features. It felt like that and the hair, absolutely,
2: and yes, and the very <laughs> sticky out hair. And the anger, But yes, I think, I think. so. Yeah. I loved the show, but I I I felt so strongly akin to Helga that I it just became my favorite. There was no question.
1: So I think it's uh, first of all it's, it's cool that you have a favorite Nick tune. Um, <laughs> I I as a Nickelodeon kid, I really was only familiar with the first three. Okay, um, you know, the first three dropped basically, I guess, 30 years ago today, but Ren Simply shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. They were all they were like packaged together. I think our real yeah. monsters was the fourth,
2: I think so. Yeah,
1: and I think hey, and our real monsters, I saw a little bit of, and I think hey, Arnold was the fifth, if I'm not because
0: mistaken. so they all they all premiered in 91, correct? Am I, am I crazy? 92? Those, okay, yeah. no, 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 91, 91, you're
1: right, yeah, so it would it be, be 91, one. yeah,
0: and then. This debuts October seventh, ninety six. So that's a that's a you know, fair amount of time since the others,
1: right? So that's that's you know the difference between me being nine and being glued to Nickelodeon and literally sure. everything they put out, I will ingest. And fourteen, when I'm a little more discerning and uh, probably not watching. This. So this completely passed me by. And to be uh, and this isn't SpongeBob either, where you know it has just just washed over the culture in a way you 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 can't ignore. Uh, hey, Arnold's a little more under the radar, um, for people at least of you know kind of filling up my micro generation. (laughs) Uh, and so, so is this do you feel like Hey Arnold uh, has a large cultural footprint that we just kind of missed Missed? or Um, outside of?
2: I don't know about footprint, which is a shame. Um, I do think there are fans of Hey Arnold, I think it's got a more sizable fan base than might meet the eye because I know whenever I've written anything about it, I've been pretty overwhelmed by the response, but it's usually people being like, oh my God, hey Arnold, thank you. No one talks about it. So I don't know that it does. I think it was, um, then it started streaming, which always helps. Mm -hmm. Um, it was on Netflix when I first wrote that now it's on Hulu. Mm-hmm. maybe by the end of this conversation it'll be somewhere else. Um
1: I
0: think it's on Paramount Plus as well or soon to be. Oh on yeah, Paramount with Plus.
2: all the Nicktoons. I think yeah. I watch
1: it on Prime. Who knows. <laughs> really? yeah.
2: It's everywhere. I watched it on Hulu, yeah. but yeah, I think actually there are a ton of Nicktoons on Paramount Plus right now that was I feel like that's something they should be oh, yeah. advertising more widely because when I realized yeah. that, I spent well, I had a solid night of just going through and watching just <laughs> random episodes or everything cuz also the episodes are 11 minutes long, so it's yes. like what do you have to lose? Yes. And Hey Arnold, I feel like um, whenever I revisit it, which is, you know, not as often as I used to be, but I do sometimes, I'm always, it it really does hold up. And I'm always struck by how much they pack into 11 minutes. It's crazy, the -hmm. amount of story and texture and character work that they do. So I actually, as someone who, you know, analyzes TV for a living, I'm looking back at it now and I feel like I always used to answer that the first TV show that made me think about TV was Buffy, but I think it might've been Hey Arnold. <laughs> Cause I was like, these characters, like they really have a life. I-, I-, I could imagine them having a life in between the episodes, which I think is something that I hadn't experienced to that point. Like for Rugrats, I just imagine they took naps in between every episode sure. and then they'd wake up and have this episode. But for Hey Arnold, I was like, these people have such full lives and we just get to see little pieces of it. And then I could imagine all the rest of it. And for me, that was kind of a revelation as a kid.
0: Well, I, 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 to, to piggyback on that for a second, you know, as someone who didn't watch all these shows as a kid, and we did an episode on Doug the movie um, mm. a few months ago, uh, a movie that uh, we didn't particularly like. Uh, it, 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 <laughs> Doug uh, is it, just very, I guess, what jumped well, out at me about Hey Arnold. That, yeah, just sorry, also
1: critically, felt not a yes. Nick tune at that point. That was a Correct. Disney, mm, this Disney was, Yes, yes. So it, was a, really, it had a very yes. different yes. vibe, but still, I think Doug is not the best, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I
0: maybe Doug was was crazy on Nick, but he was pretty boring uh, as a Disney movie. But that being said, the specificity of Hey Arnold is what I was really kind of impressed by. It really felt like these characters were just very well drawn, literally and figuratively. <laughs> I just felt like there was just something very specific about it, um, and and wonderfully strange about it like it has a surreal quality to it that um again i know a lot of kids stuff has that flight of fancy kind of weirdness to it because you can because kids you know like that stuff which is fair um but this the peewee thing really kind of hit me where i was like okay this makes complete sense that this guy came from from that um it's got this this oddity to it i mean the first episode is essentially arnold has like is being chased to be essentially killed it feels like like there's this (laughs) real sort of like foreboding kind of component to it um and this this darkness that i that i appreciated i don't know whether or not kids picked up on that necessarily but um and and we'll get into the episode that we're we're talking about in a second but you know that episode really kind of blew me away um in terms of talking about mental health talking about therapy talking about things that that um you know just how important it is to make it clear to kids that that type of those type of feelings and talking to people about those feelings is all positive and that there's nothing you know that, that all this good things thing can come from it i was really impressed with it um kenny mentioned that uh that sort of the footprint of Hey Arnold, but I mean, there were two movies, two theatrical movies that were made of Hey Arnold. So I'm assuming that it had some sort of a following. Um, But I, but in comparison to the other shows, this show also felt sort of like iconoclastic. It felt a little bit like it was pushing the boundaries more. Again, my, my knowledge of Rugrats and Doug is relatively shallow, but this almost immediately felt very different to me. Um, I don't know. I mean, Kenny, you go a little deeper on that stuff, and obviously you do too, Carolyn, but how did it feel to you, Kenny, on first blush in terms of...
1: Well, not yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree with you, but not, a, not in, a, uh, in, in a loud, noisy way like Ren and right. was, right? Right, right, right. Um, in a subtle way, which I appreciated too, and, and
2: the,
1: it's interesting because I can't really before, before seeing one episode of Hey Arnold, <laughs> it was hard for me to kind of draw that line from the Nicktoons yeah. to the, the the elevated stuff of the 2000s, the Adventure Times and um, the, uh, I mean, what are the other, um, I don't remember, but uh, I love Phineas and Ferb. I think Phineas and Ferb is a great show and uh, shows like that. And I think, Hey Arnold, seems like it's that missing link for me, um, where the animation is still a little crude and the storytelling is still a little uh it seemed a little um insular right, like it didn't seem like we we now don't get me wrong, I just watched one episode, but it seemed like it was you know pretty pretty tight with the characters there. the world was pretty pretty confined, but the content of the episode was was incredible. It was, it was yep. really shocking. And I, I, I really do <laughs> love that. Really I'm do so love pleased that you stuff. liked it because
2: I was like, I'm really throwing a curveball <laughs> no, at these guys. It was
1: awesome. I, I, but I really appreciate uh, TV shows as a former kid myself that, that don't speak down to children. Yes. Yes. Um, really, you know, and with my kids too, uh, even with my young, even with my four-year-old, um, I don't, I don't want, want them to watch st- stupid stuff that babies them. I'd rather have them ask questions about what, what they're watching and what this means and, you know, kind of explore things they don't understand on their own. Um, so I think. Yeah, I, I, I what really surprised me, Caroline, was that this was a Nick tune because I didn't really understand it. even Spongebob, which I know people are crazy about. And there are episodes of Spongebob, which go deeper and are about identity and are about place in the world and are, that kind of stuff still seems to be heavy on, uh, gross out humor on, um, absurdism and that kind of stuff. And this just was far more grounded and far more internal. And I really thought it was, a. Uh, I was really into it. I would happily show my kids this. So Yeah,
2: that's that's so I, that's so great to hear. I love that. I mean, there's definitely like slapstick stuff. Like I don't know sure. Phil, if you watched. I gave him like a whole. He was like, "What a, about a other episodes?" episodes and, I, <laughs> and I was like, "Here's a list." No, no, I have more, but I won't do that. But there's definitely <laughs> slapstick stuff. Like there's definitely yeah. like you know weirder episodes, but the gross out stuff, not really. And I feel like. It was always there's there's a thread that goes throughout the show and you kind of pick up on it even that first episode of not just foreboding, but there is sort of there's a melancholy throughout yes. the entire yes. thing in mm-hmm. a way that's not overwhelming, but they don't shy away from it. You know, these kids get sad. These kids have real problems. Um, when they start getting more into the adults, um, the adults certainly have their own problems. They're rarely the focus, but when they are, it's often very bittersweet in a way that I know as a kid, I had never seen anything like that before, little in a cartoon. Yeah,
0: Helga's parents are not parents. great parents.
2: <laughs> no, and they never have been. And it's not so, you know, bu- big beeper bob is like an emotionally abusive bully and her mom is a not so subtle alcoholic (laughs) yes yes um and there's a lot of that like i definitely when i have talked to craig about it you know he's very happy to and i do recommend that anyone who is already into hey arnold or curious about it like on his instagram he's constantly posting like here's this episode and Uh here's all this stuff about it and here's all this the background stuff he's very excited to talk about it at any time and he's always willing to be like yeah, this—that's what we were doing with Miriam. She's an alcoholic. Like, good job picking up on that one. Um, the teacher, yeah, he's gay. Like, there's a right. reason why. There's Thanksgiving was awkward because his roommate didn't want to come and be his roommate. Like, they were right. layering that stuff in from the beginning, but in a way that—and by the time you get to so the season that aired in 1999 was season four. Um, so when I was looking at possibilities of what to bring on the show, I was looking at season four and I was like, well, it has to be Helga on the couch. Um, but that's kind of an intense episode to throw you into. Um, <laughs> I mean, the pilot great...
0: doesn't really, I mean, the pilot throws you in too. Like it's, mm-hmm. in it's, it's almost in media res, like uh, on some level, it doesn't even really give you any, like it doesn't yeah. really introduce you to these it, It's And this feels a little bit of a, a hallmark of perhaps a, a different, type of broadcast television where you had this the the courage, I guess, to not do a premise pilot, to just Mm -hmm. sort of be like, here it is, here's the world, sink or swim. And subsequently it feels like there was a lot more kind of guardrails put on stuff and and a lot more premise pilots.
2: Right. And I feel like especially for an animated show like this, like they would have made like a sample. You know, you had those shorts of Hey Arnold from Pee-Wee, but they would have made like a little here's an adventure they would go on. So I feel like that first episode downtown as fruits where they are dressed up as a banana and a strawberry for their school play um Mm -hmm. which i love because it's so specifically 90s actually in that way where it's like (laughs) here's the food pyramid and we're the banana and the the strawberry and then they just get lost in the city it's great it's It's so weird and specific but it's also like as a kid i was like okay yeah they're downtown as fruits like what's not to get
0: but it's kind of dark but sorry, go
1: ahead, Kenny. I want to ask you a general question about TV. <laughs> Phil just brought up something sure. about premise pilots and pilots and and whatnot. Um, as a critic and a TV watcher, how do you feel about that? What Phil was just talking about? Because I, when when I start writing something, I generally put together a list of a bunch of pilots to watch that are similar, you know, and they generally span the last fifty years of television. And the ones from before, I'd say, 1999, give or take, uh, throw you right into it every time. Mm. It's, it's crazy. It's like, <laughs> you, you, you are thrown into the deep end. I watched, I watched the pilot of Welcome Back, Cotter, yesterday. And you are ex- just expected yeah. to know what is going on. <laughs> I'm like, because of course I'm watching, because I'm like, all right, let's see how Cotter got welcomed back. How did this go? <laughs> no, no, he's just back. He's, yeah, just, he's there. just there. So, so, how do you feel about that? Is it? You, how do you feel about premise pilots and 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 what you what, what a platonic ideal pilot is and how you go? Yeah. How would you want to go into a show?
2: That's a good question. I I don't have an intrinsic problem with premise pilots versus not. I just I do feel like um, pilots that just throw you in um, are more confident about their characters, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, or their world in a way where they're like, all right, we have specifically drawn this thing. And because it's specific, you will get it whether that's successful or not, you know, that's for the audience to decide. But I do respect that. Um, cause I do feel like, I think the biggest problem I have with pilots right now is a lot of the ones I'm watching. And I know that this isn't just, you know, this isn't just on the writers. This is on what studios want or networks or whatever is, they want plot. They want like here's the log line, here's the crazy twist, here's the in media res, which you know mm. is a whole other rant that I'm sure Alan <laughs> Steppenwald would like pop out of the ether and be like, Yes, I also have opinions because <laughs> I know he does. I think um, I saw
0: a conversation between you guys on Twitter yeah. uh, and it was, well, amazing. it
2: was just like we we had a it was like you a You can two absolutely
1: months. rant on Yeah, please rant. We're I okay, I, a, I, mean, a, yeah. I, I love having T V critics on this podcast because <laughs> at some point it just delves into this. so tell me how I can be better. Yeah, I truly.
2: It. <laughs> it was just like, and I mean, it was kind of a, it wasn't really a coincidence because obviously this is, you know, a trend, a pattern in what um, is getting made right now. But there was like a two or three month period where Alan and I were talking back and forth because seemingly every other pilot we were watching was in media res, was, here's a crazy thing, now we're flashing back. Here's the crazy thing, now we're flashing oh, back. And I know it's yeah. because... You know, you want to grip people from the beginning. That's the whole point. You want to get people by page three tops. You want to get, you know, when you have a million streaming networks, you want people to stay on the show, even though Netflix will count your two minutes watching it as a full watch anyway. (laughs) Again, there are rants on rants here, but I do feel like, you know, I get most frustrated with a pilot when I'm like, I can tell that all you've, the thing you've thought through the most is the plot. And for me, that's actually the least interesting thing. For me, the most interesting thing of any show, and this is personal, but I do feel like if you have the characters, you have the show. And, you know, for comedies, I grant comedies a little bit more leeway than I do dramas, frankly, because for comedies, the cast chemistry is so important. And so many need those few episodes for the cast to figure out how they're going to bounce off each other. You know, something like a Cheers is just like insanely rare. Yeah. Where they just immediately lock into something, though then again the cheers pilot is so specifically written that mm-hmm. they have no choice but to lock into these voices very specifically and then they cast it well um also friends is similar a, a, too
1: also a premise pilot from back in the day, weirdly enough, mm-hmm. but yeah right well, I, I think just just to to to
0: piggyback on what you're saying, Carolyn, about the in media res thing, mm-hmm. I wonder if that is it a, a a current attempt at having your cake and eating it too, right? which is They want that vibe that you get from throwing people in the deep end, but they're not confident enough to kind of stick with it. So they Mm -hmm. want to kind of try to balance the two. So it's this, to your point, a lot of pilots do this of just throwing you into a crazy situation and then doing the rewind and how we got there. Um, You know, it it does feel like the most recent show physical feels like it did this in a, in a pretty significant way in terms of doing that. And then perhaps not having a lot happen, it seems, yeah. in the in the episodes that, that that came after it. But but I guess the 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 question that Kenny has and I, I would agree as well is sort of do you think that there's do you think there's any positive things that come out of that that structure or of that format? Do you because I know that Kenny and I both have been in situations, I'm sure, where a producer, or a studio, or a network says, "You know, it would be great is if you mm-hmm. could somehow do something
1: like this every and- time. <laughs> every fucking time. I know, and I, that's time. why I like
2: don't want to put it all in the writer because I'm like, I know that this might so, not have been your
0: idea. It's <laughs> crazy, it's crazy. Every it is time. every time. <laughs> you're
2: like, so what if we started in the middle, and then
1: now you're at the point where people are like, I know it's done a lot, but mm-hmm. yeah. and it's just like, yeah. yeah, it's done a lot. Move on. But
2: I mean, I yeah, do want it- to." S- it can be done well, I think. Sure. Um, I think
1: White Lotus is doing it well. But- I was just
2: going to say White Lotus is doing pretty well, even though I personally, I mean, I've seen all of it, so I'm not going to spoil anything, but I personally didn't need a dead body from White Lotus. Um, but I yeah. think if you're going to do it, and if you're going to do a media Res, yeah. that's a good way to do it.
0: And don't you feel like it's a commentary on it? Like that Mike White <laughs> is is kind of like...
2: I mean, I wouldn't. Out of
0: it a little bit. I don't know I mean, what the I don't I know, know who the body is, so I'm not sure. Mm-hmm.
2: No, 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 I would say no, except that it's Mike White, so maybe. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, Fair I
1: could enough. talk about White Lotus all day, but I, <laughs> I, it, I look if it's done well, and I think they do it well. It is a yeah. nice, it, it is a nice little extra bonus to have that we go into this with the with the whodunit element, like mm-hmm. Knives Out. I think had a great little, you know it? of it. That's not what I remember of the movie. Right. So, sure, right. but, but bringing it back to animation, yeah. uh, I find myself all the time watching animation pilots and then not watching the series, like the new Fox shows on animation on Sundays mm-hmm. and whatnot. And they're generally not premise pilots. They're, they're generally yeah. just another episode. I just what's, what's the, the Northern? It's not called Northern. Oh, Georgia, um, obviously, the, great North? the Great
2: the North. Great North. Great yeah. North. Yeah.
1: Just throws you right in the deep end there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that animation, um, Does almost necessarily yes because Mm -hmm. these characters don't age. It's not serialized. It's not really about you know the new guy coming to town or um, anything along those lines. It's usually this is our goofy family. Let's show you how goofy they are. So and the Adult um, Swim
0: shows are are also very much in that mold of like we're just you know we're going nuts from the jump. I mean your Rick and Morty's and what have yous, where it's like these shows are so kind of. You know, crazy, quote unquote, that that I think that they're just like fuck it. You we're know, gonna do this.
1: weirdly enough, I think a lot of the the quote unquote premise mm-hmm. the audience knows going into it. It's the logline, right? And that's all you right. need, right? Like Rick yeah. and Morty, it's you know, it's silly. Back to the Future, go, yeah, yeah. Um, but so yes, no, no. I, I was,
0: was just going gonna... to say that with with Hey Arnold, there is a part of me that feels like um, you don't really need to know more than it's a bunch of kids that live in this. Uh, I mean, they they call it on Wikipedia an inner city tenement. Now I know that that's that seems a lot kind of uh, darker loaded. than it is. Yeah, I don't I don't really get that vibe from it. No, but so like
2: Arnold lives in a boarding house that his grandparents right. run. Right. Yeah. But his which we don't
0: see in the pilot.
2: Which you don't see in the pilot at all. Like there's yeah. actually, I mean, there's so much that you don't see in the pilot at all. Like I mean, Helga having the crush on Hey Arnold, which is such right. a huge thread of the show, is not in the pilot at all because. Uh, it-
1: yeah. Do do fans call him Hey Arnold? <laughs> oh my god! I, just, I said having the crush on Hey Arnold. No, is that
2: a thing? I don't know. No, it's no. Bad. I love it though. <laughs> no, it's not. It Give us
0: it's a window me. into the fan
1: base. It's like it's like when you talk yeah. about yeah. Goodwill Hunting. You talk about the character Will Hunting. Yeah, no, Who him oh Will Hunting? That's not who he is. He's Goodwill Hunting. He's uh, Goodwill Hunting. That's great. She has a uh, so so. You know what I love about this show? Another thing that I love from the one episode I watched and are what we we. we I love about that it. you love it.
2: Let's go. Well,
1: it's 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 a couple of things. So you you alluded to the idea that the mother is um, an alcoholic and the teacher is gay, and there are all these things happening, kind of outside of the you know the the grasp of the kids, right? Mm-hmm. And in, because it's shown from the kids' POV, it doesn't feel like a cheat. It doesn't feel like we're ignoring something by having mm-hmm. the kids just understand what they can understand. Uh, right. Like Helga that.
2: knows her mom has some issue where she's just yep. like asleep half the day. She knows her father yes. sucks, but she doesn't have the vocabulary for it or the full well, yeah, the vocal- for it.
1: Exactly. Which is which is the way kids grasp the world. You know, yeah. I uh, and then the other thing that I think is really kind of great about it is, you know, Phil you know alluded to this inner city tenement house, which sounds darker than it is. Yeah. Well, an inner city tenement house is dark. But it's not dark to the kids who live there. You know, it's like, I don't know if you've seen the PJ. I'm sure you have. Or the Boondocks. It, those aren't scary shows. They would be right. potentially scary if you were showing it from the point of view of a, you know, a 17-year-old. Or a point of view from someone who doesn't live there and going into an unfamiliar situation. But these are, this is this is Plato's cave, right? This is just right. the world they know. Right and it's not scary. They've learned, they've learned and are learning how to navigate this world. So I think, uh, I, I, I think that's a really generous, big hearted way to look yeah. at childhood and to look at, you know, the, all the different ways people grow
2: up. Yeah. Yep. And not for totally. nothing. I mean, you know, that board, so the boarding house, uh, owned oh, by his grandparents, you know, Arnold's parents are MIA, which is actually what the one of the at least one of the movies is about is him figuring out what happened to his parents who were like it comes out that they were like explorers who got lost in the deep jungle. It's a whole thing. Um (laughs) that's awesome. (laughs) Sure. Um so he lives with his grandparents, but you know there is that sort of like where are his parents, which isn't answered right away, but it's there. And then there are several episodes throughout the series that focus on one or a couple of the tenants in the house who are just like kind of Arnold's extended family in a way, these long-term residents of the house. Mm -hmm. Like one of the, one of the best episodes of the show is another. So held on the couch is an um, unusually long episode. It's the full half hour instead of the 11 minute. Um, Another one like that is um, a Christmas episode. I think the first Christmas episode where Arnold, um, realizes that there's, there's this um, Vietnamese immigrant who's who lives in the boarding house who hasn't seen his daughter in years. So it's him trying to reunite them. And it's this beautiful, sad, lovely episode that I remember watching and being like, I'm sad and happy and I'm feeling too many things and I'm a very tiny child. But it's one of those things that I'm like, I don't know another... I, I, I can't imagine what sure doing that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't what Ren and Stimpy was about. But because, hey, Arnold... Establishes this world and establishes. Um, I mean, another wonderful aspect of it, which you see in the Helga on the Couch episode, is that Arnold is this kid with so much empathy and mm-hmm. he's a very observant, kind person, which is why Helga's drawn to him, even if she doesn't want to admit it. Um, and that's something that I see in cartoons now, like Steven Universe, which I also loved. What was on? That was his superpower before he had superpowers, is that was his empathy, and that's Arnold's thing. So establishing that, establishing all these different characters and the way all these works allows them to go deeper in these episodes sure. like this in a way that doesn't feel like it's too ambitious or it's kind of, you know, punching above its weight. Like, I think by the time you get to Helga on the Couch four seasons in, the work has been done. And I remember being excited by this episode as a Helga fan, because I was like, it was almost like Helga's origin story, you know, it was like, we're finally Mm going to find out why she is so obsessed with him. And the answer is so nuanced and smart that he noticed her and made her feel okay, but that she still doesn't feel like she can express that without being laughed at or being feeling less than and I was just like that's and that's just all you needed to know
0: there's something very um simple and beautiful about that revelation and admittedly obviously Kenny and I had not seen the episodes previous to it um I mean I I watched a handful of episodes but I'll I'll say that um you you kind of don't need it which is the sign of a great episode of television where I'm
2: so like I'm so psyched to hear that like Kenny as (laughs) someone who didn't even watch the pilot just like jumped Right. right in and immediately God and you
0: feel right, the you power of it. It's, it's, I mean, I, 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 I want so just to give a, a very quick synopsis of this episode: uh, Helga on the Couch, a child, psychot- a, a child psychologist named Dr. Bliss, shadow students of PS 118, quickly following Helga and noting her behavior, especially to Arnold. After punching Brainy in the face, Helga is sent to Dr. Bliss's office <laughs> poor for an <Brainy>. appointment. <laughs> poor, poor, Brainy. So that was like uh,
2: the, the punching Brainy's a runner in the series that, like, whatever <laughs> she's like you know, gushing about Arnold in secret. Somehow <laughs> right. Brainy is behind her and she punches him in the face. So the fact that she gets caught doing it in this episode was a first time thing. Oh, that's like, I remember oh, that's like amazing. seeing Brainy on the floor and the teacher being like, what the hell is this? And I was like, oh my God. Someone saw it. It actually happened. <laughs> Brainy's a real person. Like, That's he almost amazing.
0: doesn't feel real. Anyway, go on. So, uh, Helga confides in Dr. Bliss about her social life, family life, and her love for Arnold. Uh, Kathy Baker was the guest star voice as Dr. Bliss. Uh, it aired on December 4th, 1999. Story by Craig Bartlett and Steve Vitskin. Uh, it was written by Craig Bartlett, directed by Carson Kugler, storyboard director Tim Parsons. Um, I, I, I want to just you guys hear my uh, dogs. <laughs> I, I did hear your dogs briefly. but t- My
1: t- t- dogs, my children, they, yeah. there's so much going They're on. They're all locked away,
0: away, t- the locked away, far away. I'm the one
1: away, far away.
0: I want to just uh, ask a question just before we get into the, the, the episode itself. But sure. I want to talk about mental health on television in general and mm-hmm. the idea of how it's sort of unpacked. Because we're, we're eventually going to talk about The Sopranos. Mm -hmm. Uh, Season one of The Sopranos was in 1999, and we will unpack that series uh, um, in full or at least that first season at a later date. That being said, do we think that that is the best, the most effective, or at the very least the sort of most groundbreaking depiction of therapy? Um, I'm trying to think of other sort of – lots of shows go there because as a writer, and I'm sure Kenny agrees with this – therapy is a huge cheat, the greatest of cheats, right? (laughs) Where like characters can literally just say what they're feeling and other characters can deconstruct it with them. Um, So, and and as this episode does, but what are your thoughts about how mental health has been sort of, uh, you know, disseminated on television?
2: Yeah. I mean, in terms of the Sopranos, I mean, what was so interesting and smart about that is that it wasn't a one-off thing, very specifically, not a one-off thing. It's such a fabric of the show and it's, it, it feeds into everything, like Tony's yeah. shame about feeling this way. Um, and the fact that it is a Tony rather than like a Carmella. It would have been very different if it were Carmella. And Absolutely. the fact that it was Tony, I think, is was pretty groundbreaking in its way to be like, not only are we gonna it's it's gonna be a mob show, but this mob guy has feelings. <laughs> and they're not just feelings, but they're yeah. like, you know, it's a genuine mental health problems where he you know he has panic attacks like it's not just I feel bad um and I think naming that more specifically absolutely um was groundbreaking and you know I've been I've thought about this a lot I feel like five years ago there was a big boom of like depression on tv or at least in like the shows I was watching that like tv critics love to watch like you're the worst and Jack Horseman yeah um what was the other show? I, I remember writing something about um, these shows, how they depicted depression, and more specifically, for *You're the Worst*, I think depression in women. I thought it was really interesting how those shows did that. Um, and I think the best depictions of mental health on television are the ones that acknowledge that it's not just a one-day thing. And but that's also what makes it hard. It's I think it's why also um, depicting sobriety on TV is really hard because. Sure. That's an everyday thing. Um, so I feel like you have a lot of alcoholics on TV and you don't have a lot of sober people on TV. And I thought that that was something that also Bojack Horseman showed really well was how hard that is every day. Um, sure. Do that. Um, so I think, but that's something that I think I'm just thinking about this all, out loud right now, but it, no worries. I feel like I gravitate towards shows that depict mental health really well because I think the ones that do that use the tools at TV's disposal Mm-hmm. The kinds of the things that TV can do that film can't because TV has more time True. and it can tell these stories over years and really get into these characters every day in a way that a, a standalone film can't. I mean, that's why I fell in love with TV in the first place is that I was like, Oh, we're following them over many years. Yeah. Um, so there's something also like something the about the,
0: the episodic nature of it also mm-hmm. fits very neatly into a session. Well, sure. Um, therapy, and,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. For therapy, exactly. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, uh, I, I think I agree with everything you're saying and I think that you're the worst Had a really interesting depiction of, of depression. I think it's also interesting to see that the other big show that comes out in 99 is The West Wing. Mm-hmm. And The West Wing depicts its own version of therapy as well um, in terms of Bartlett having to go to therapy and Josh dealing with PTSD and and all that kind of stuff and sobriety Mm -hmm. as well. Um, And it's just, it's, it's interesting because I feel like as writers um, it's, it can be a crutch, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it is a great tool.
1: You're talking about therapy sessions therapy yeah.
0: sessions, and even just, I would I would also argue to some degree, mental health can be used mm-hmm. as a window into a character, as a way to explore something. I'm not saying that 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 these are, are are bad things necessarily, but I guess my question is, how many shows go deep with it, and how many shows just kind of stay on the surface? You were going to say something, Kenny?
1: If it's done poorly, it's the worst uh, thing <laughs> television has to offer. Um, because- <laughs> it can just
2: be sort of monologues at each other where you're just yeah. like, I could tell that
1: the writer just wanted to get some stuff out, you know. Right, right. It's 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 one of the few places, and I guess, you know, this is personal, but it's one of the few places that I do get kind of uh, you know, on a high horse about because if you tell these stories poorly or inaccurately, yeah. uh you actually threaten to hurt culture at large. You mm-hmm. actually threaten to hurt you you actually threaten to to, to start hurting society. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash/achieve today. I assume you've watched at least the first few episodes of Ted Lasso. Oh, Caroline,
2: uh, all yeah. I mean, uh, season two. Oh, I've seen eight of season two, so yeah. So you know where it's it's
1: going, but Um. um, you know we've watched three uh, and. It, it, You know, you think about the use of therapists and the use of therapy sessions in television, and uh, I thought the first season's depiction of mental health and mental health problems, particularly uh, within a person who seems very well-adjusted, was fucking brilliant and amazing and reminds me a lot of real life. Mm -hmm. And then Ted's two-sentence... Uh, two-sentence thing in the beginning about how he feels about therapy, which was, you know, something about healthy Midwestern skepticism and general terror or something along yeah. those lines, <laughs> yeah. uh, is, I think, fantastic too. And this is, I think I said this to you, Phil, like, kind of opaquely, but this idea that this is what this show needed. Like, yeah. this is, like... What Ted actually needed was someone to come in and let him unpack all the shit he's dealing with. And that's really the only way you can do it in real life. And it's the only way you can do it in television. So I'm super down with the idea of great therapy. And I obviously, I think Sopranos is the best show ever made. And part of it is because Tony was not uh, honest with uh, Dr. Murphy throughout so much of it. Um, which is very reminiscent of my own therapy sessions. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 it was really interesting to see a therapy session in what is ostensibly a comedy in 1999, when therapy was mostly used to show how stupid therapy is mm-hmm. and how stupid therapists are and how they're all, uh, you know, hypocrites and bullshitters to have the therapist be a great therapist, yep. to, ask, to ask all the right questions, to take the this, this session as it came to her and gently kind of redirect in a way that, you know, I recognize as good therapy
2: uh, and actually
1: wind up helping the character. Yep. Um, Who is
2: like not for nothing a kid. Like I yes. feel like still today, whenever I see like kids therapists on TV, it's usually to signal that the parents are ridiculous. Or that mm-hmm. they're very wealthy and can't afford therapy yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not usually in this way. But, like, a ther- it's like a school therapist who actually mm-hmm. wants to help the kid. Like, I feel like it's either the kid's in trouble, which, like, the kid is here. Helga is in trouble, technically. Um, or it's just, like, here's this pampered kid who gets to go to therapy twice a week because the mom doesn't want to deal with it. Like, I still feel like, in terms of kids' therapy, this is still unique unto itself, this episode.
1: How about well, the line yes, right away, right up front, where where Helga says, "Are you a child therapist because you're not good enough to be an adult therapist"? That was <laughs> I mean, like both. that's the <laughs> other thing that like you do with 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 children's therapists on TV. Yeah. You make them like dumb baby yeah. people, right?
2: And She's like, nope, this is what nope. I this is what yeah. I wanted to do. I to like help, help that. kids." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and
1: and she approached it like you know eighty percent like 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 with like eighty percent maturity level um but gosh, I don't want to run to the end, but it's only a twenty two minute show uh the hug was incredible,
0: oh, the hug's amazing the
1: what hug just moment. is is
0: really beautiful. I'll also say too like i i I don't know what it's like to be a child therapist, but it felt believable as well, the way that she allowed Helga to kind of work through her stuff, to like switch seats, to get behind the desk, to do all these things, to kind of have that freedom. I mean, one of my favorite uh, moments in it is it's Helga talking about Edward Hopper. And she's like, he's a little simple. What's his deal with women? is amazing. Um, I mean, yeah, um, fair Helga. Fair point. That's a very astute question.
2: I, I love that too, because I feel like, I mean, from the beginning, did you... Phil, did you happen to watch um, the first, like, the Little Pink Book episode? Where, yes, like, I did. He, Yeah, yes. so that's the first one where you see, like, how Helga writes about Arnold in her free time. Yes. And she has this ridiculous vocabulary for a she nine-year-old, does. ostensibly. She does. She's very smart. Um, and that's always been a part of it, but it was always kind of like, oh, maybe this is just how she is in her, you know, private mm-hmm. life. But I love that the show kind of acknowledges, no, she is, like, a very smart kid. And so for the therapist mm-hmm. to be like, oh, so you're smart.
0: <laughs> no, for um, sure. She taps into that and, and she...
2: Yeah, she's frustrated. She, she's bored.
0: Absolutely, and she and 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 that Dr. Bliss can can see the the potential in this kid um, is something that probably no one else does, right? I mean, yeah. Arnold was nice to her, but he doesn't no know how there's potential. No right. one else cares. You know, they don't
2: know about this like private life where she's like writing all this stuff. And I mean, that was something that I mean, as a kid, I I was writing all the time. Like that's all I did. Um, and I feel like maybe the nineties. Uh, we're also kind of big for these bookish girls who wrote a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, sure. Harriet the Spy was written in the 60s, but the adaptation, mm-hmm. the film adaptation came out in the 90s. I was obsessed with it. I had my own little Harriet the Spy notebook. Like, Matilda, very big. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Barbara this, Wilson adaptation. This, and I just feel like the, she was one of those.
0: The pilot of this was attached mm-hmm. to the theatrical run of the movie, *How uh, Harriet the Spy. Oh,
2: my God. Was it? Oh, Which that is, explains I think is... so much. I mean, I saw Harriet the Spy in theaters. I remember that. I, I remember only what... know
0: that because my my roommate was like, wait a second, I saw this in front of some sort of Nickelodeon movie. What was it? And then that I went online so and it was in front sense. of Harriet the Spy. So you've Shit. there it is. It's all coming wow. together.
2: <laughs> it is. All the puzzle pieces are falling into place. Yeah. But it's like she was one of those. And as like a, not bookish, but like, you know, a kid who was like walking to school, reading a book and was sure. writing about everyone and the boy she was obsessed with across the street. Like I just was like, I understand Helga so much in this way. And something we actually haven't mentioned, but I think is important Mm. to Hey Arnold, is that this was the first Nicktoon and one of the only ones that used kids to voice these characters. Yeah, All these kids are... Yeah, they're all kids. And this is where I shout out Francesca Marie Smith who voiced Helga the entire run. They did have to cycle out a couple of the boys because puberty, but Francesca (laughs) voiced Helga throughout. And she... I mean, what an incredible performance. Like, I think mm-hmm. she was, she must have been nine or something when this started. And she was unbelievable Amazing. from the beginning. Um, and I also love that also uh, sensed that a little bit, you know? Like, I knew that Rugrats yeah. weren't baby voices. Like, I knew this were adults voicing babies, and that's fine. But I do feel like something in my little kid lizard brain was like, <laughs> these are kids.
0: <laughs> well, uh, Craig Bartlett's daughter voices young Helga in this episode. Oh.
2: I don't which think I think is knew that. adorable. That's so
0: cute. <laughs> um, so that all that flashback stuff, which again is really interesting. The flashback stuff is great. Um, I, I also want to mention you you mentioned uh that the Miriam, is that the mom's name? Yeah. Um Miriam gives uh Helga a lunch, and in her lunch are oh, wet nap so shaving cream and crackers. Uh it's it's super like it's it's funny, but it's We've also super <laughs>
2: But it's just like, um, yeah, it's one of those yeah. things where you're like, oh, she's really looking out for herself. Like she, She's never been noticed. She's never been particularly valued. She is looking out for herself, and that's why, you know. And it's also, she is, like, so you see Harold, who's like the kid with like the soup can shape, whatever, who like the buck teeth who steals her lunch in the first place as a yes. tiny kid. But Helga is the main bully of this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think making her also one of the main characters and giving her this nuance and making you understand why she mm-hmm. is that way is so important because she's not just this like two-dimensional mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. freaky bully. She's a kid with pain.
0: And you know, and, the, and that she's in, doing it to get attention, right? She wants people to notice her. Sorry, you? Oh. You
1: Kenya. No, in the Rugrats, Angelica
2: is that character. Yeah. Well I but, loved Angelica too. I obviously had a type. <laughs> and i'm just gonna say
1: we're learning a lot about you angelica's (laughs) very cool i agree but angelica really doesn't have that depth no she's just she's a tyrant uh who rules over these babies and it's fun (laughs) and it's for kids but it's you know decidedly surface uh and there's definitely like there's definitely depth when it comes to rugrats i'm not really just gonna Crap on Rugrats, but oh, I love Rugrats. Uh, it's just it's it's not the same. I couldn't conceive of Rugrats doing an episode. It's even coming near the emotional depth of this uh, one episode of this show I saw.
0: Are they the same age? I, I forgive me, but like, are no, the Rugrats, Rugrats younger? Are, no, so the Rugrats. Rugrats I mean, the
2: Rugrats are, are babies, and, and Angelica's Rugrats. like supposed to be three or four. Like, yeah. okay. and I do feel like for Hey Arnold, they're supposed to be fourth graders, but I feel like they feel more like sixth graders. But I do love yeah. that in the show they're like the sixth graders are the cool kids and (laughs) don't even talk about the eighth graders.
0: (laughs) Does Dr. Bliss ever come back?
2: I I think she does. um, But there's not, I think so, but there's not another episode like this. um, Okay. Not, not in this depth, I don't think. Um, So this was definitely an unusual episode. This was um, a deviation a little bit, not from, Not so much in terms of like what the show would tackle, but in terms of it just Mm -hmm. being the longer episode and being, but it definitely, there have, there were many episodes that were just about Helga, um, as there are episodes that are just about Gerald or just about Helga's friend Phoebe. Like they definitely, um, go around, but Helga's the second lead of the show. And that was not always the case. I think, I don't remember if Craig said this explicitly, but I do think that they recognized early on that they had something pretty special with her and with Francesca voicing her and gave her more and more to do. And also, you know, the tension between her secret and how she acted to Arnold. just, that's so fun for a kid's show.
0: There's also, yeah, it's, it's got a real Jekyll and Hyde kind of vibe to it. Oh, it's, it nice. definitely, <laughs> it's definitely got this, the, the, I know that you didn't watch the, the previous episodes, can you, but she has this locket, uh, where she has a picture of Arnold that she like talks to like like Gollum talks to his talks to the ring. <laughs> That's exactly
2: what it's It's like yeah, she's you know, she's storming <laughs> along through the hallways or whatever, and then she'll like steal behind a trash can and be like, What a maroon, and <laughs> yet <laughs> and then turn to <laughs> yes. her and the the end yet it made me laugh every time as a kid. Because I was like, That's Here so it comes, good. here's the monologue about how much it's fantastic. She actually loves him it's
0: um, it's really overt and and just it's great it's it it really is really the, the the pink little book is a perfect episode where they where essentially they find her book uh arnold and and his friend forgive me i can't remember his friend's gerald. name gerald uh find the book um and and sort of this insane journey that she goes on to try to get the book back or whatever but it's it's there's something very um it, it does feel like the stuff that goes on in the heads of children around that age um, and and which is heightened and and is kind of you know you're so inside your own head, you're, you're so obsessed with your own thoughts and your own feelings that you don't really understand. Yeah. Um, I feel like this show really understands that. Like it's really tapped into that, um, takes which made its it feel very very seriously. Real.
2: And you feel that from the beginning that it's like yeah. these kids are people. And we're going to take their entire lives seriously. And the more it got the time to flesh them out, the better it got. Though I do think, you know, if you watch those early episodes, I actually, I hadn't done that in a minute. And then immediately watch Hog on the Couch, you see there is a difference. Like the early seasons are much more like obviously pencil drawn and they're much more, well, I guess contained isn't the right word, but they do get more ambitious in terms of the storytelling in terms of like we're gonna dive into the psyche here um but they still feel of the same show which i feel like sometimes with animated shows it can feel like a totally different show you know two seasons in (laughs) and that did not feel the case for me i
0: i do have one other question um in regards to helga's
2: background
0: (laughs) i mean she her name is helga yeah. Uh her sister's name is Olga. Yeah. Um they don't seem particularly Eastern European or or however I think that's just would...
2: kind of like their, you know, general ethnicity background. Like there okay. are definitely there are definitely depictions of, you know, first generation immigrants throughout the show, but I don't right. think the Patakis are that necessarily they Yeah, just it didn't feel that way. Batakis. Yeah. Yeah. They're um, just the Patakis. Yeah, so. they're just the Patakis. They're definitely <laughs> I mean the Olga episodes are I I remember watching those and feeling my blood boil and being like Olga's not so great. Olga's not so great. <laughs> Olga seemed pretty great I don't know there's one episode where she's like a substitute teacher and you sound like all the boys in that episode pretty loved Olga <laughs> <laughs> well
1: she could just play the piano she, she could play she she's beef very oven nice. yeah she's she's very nice and so then you see beef
2: like oven. beef oven I mean then it's like yeah I love that like she's this very like high-minded whatever and the parents are just like do you see this get a load of that and I mean I love yeah. that sort of like little class conflict there it's too great. but I but showing even just like a, a snippet of Olga, you're like, oh, so Helga decided to be the opposite of that because <laughs> she wasn't going to get attention being anything mm. similar. So you might as well be deeply unpleasant.
0: Yeah, <laughs> there. Um, I do want to just for a moment uh, underline or highlight that there's a there's a there's a surreal moment in this episode that kind of bookends the episode, which is uh, a, a bunch of lemons. That fall on the ground that she that that Helga sees as Arnold's head, um, and they're kind of mocking her as she's going to therapy, mm-hmm. and then at the end she sees them all on the tray, and they're all like good for you. They're all like cheering her up, and things are all good, and yeah. um, it's it's lovely. Uh, it's kind of bizarre, but it's kind of it, there is something nice about the the. Um, as as a sort of visual bookend and for a way of showing what's going on inside Helga's head um, that we get to see that she has grown. Not just with the hug of Dr. Bliss, which obviously shows that as well, but just that like and, and the reason I say that is because shortly before she sees the lemons giving her the thumbs up, she bumps into Arnold in the street. She's abusive to him yet again. <laughs> she punches Brady in the face in an alleyway after he gives her so it's like we're not I, I appreciate that the show is saying, like, don't worry, Helga's still Helga, <laughs> but she's grown. Like, they're trying to have their cake and eat it, too.
2: Yeah, I mean, I will say that, like, the one thing with this episode, I I, I do love that the therapist is like, it's okay to have a crush, and it's okay yeah. to not tell him. Like, that's yeah. fine. Um, I do think, as you see throughout the show, she is obsessive to a point where, like, if the therapist knew the extent of her obsession, might be like, you could dial it back sad. Um, yeah, does she say it's okay bit.
0: to punch him in the face still?
2: No, she says don't she says she says don't oh, punch okay. Brainy. Don't, don't, don't do punch that. Brainy. Okay. But you know, Helga's like, what about the rituals in my, gu- my bubblegum shrine? And she's like, I guess if you're not hurting anyone.
1: Yeah, do you, you say like, bubblegum?
2: Yeah, did you yeah, say exactly. bubblegum? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so, i, I could.
1: A, yeah. I have a question.
2: Please. This is fun.
1: If I put this <laughs> episode on as a one act play, do you think people would come?
2: I mean,
1: I would. Would I make money? <laughs> 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 I think this is. I think this could be a one-act play. It's and I'm great. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, and I it's think it's so it, well I mean, It
2: really is. It is.
1: It's really. It's. It's. I think it could be a one-act play, and I think people would really enjoy it. So I'm going to try to. I, uh, I
0: agree. I agree. I'm going
1: to watch the 200 episodes of the show so I have a real clear understanding <laughs> of what's happening before uh, I dive yeah. in. But yeah. I think I think it would be really cool. I think it'd be great and covid yeah. friendly. Yeah. yeah,
2: there you go. No, yeah, it's almost a bottle episode.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um before we let you go, uh I'd be remiss if I I noticed a Jenny Lewis poster behind you. Oh, okay. Um we're we are we are doing a, a Patreon on nineteen eighty nine and oh. I'm curious as to your thoughts on The Wizard and Troop Beverly Hills to Jenny Lewis classics. Are you a fan or do you not know her acting? You've I never seen either. Seen
2: them,
1: just,
0: no. a, just a fan of her music, which is completely true.
1: You haven't music. seen Troop Beverly Hills? No, I
2: know. I miss I you, missed, I are missed you a like bunch 14? of these. <laughs> No, I had a mother who didn't care about kids' movies, so we just never oh. went. Like I didn't, okay. like, I didn't, like I haven't seen, like, I I didn't see the Mighty Ducks until two years ago. Okay, I, yeah. I haven't seen Goonies. Like there's just like a whole world yeah. of stuff I had not seen. You can live
0: without Goonies.
2: I well, I know that now. <laughs> um, I hadn't watching. seen, I hadn't seen Hook, and people got mad at me for that. But Hook does not hold yeah. up as an adult. Hook's
0: not that great. There are just
2: a bunch <laughs> of movies that I'm like, if I watch it now, I would just be, I just, I don't want to. Shit on anyone's like favorite no. childhood thing that's not my thing, yes. but I do feel like there there's a whole like world of kids' entertainment that i didn 't see, and that not uh, I keep saying not for nothing but um <laughs> that is a reason why I think I watched a lot of hair hey and all that my mom bless her she doesn't um she never and she doesn't and never did kind of tolerate shows she found annoying being on like she just it, it just doesn't interest her. <laughs> Sure. Um, I think the most annoying show she would let me watch is Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which now that I have tried to rewatch it, it was annoying, it was very loud. I was gonna but say,
1: it's super loud, know, pretty, pretty good of her.
2: That yeah, show no, pretty is good of so her. annoying, it's very annoying, and I loved it, <laughs> I loved it so much. And, and I watched it, and I'm like, oh, just a lot of yelling, but that's also why I didn't watch Seinfeld because she had an ex boyfriend who was very Jerry. It was like, there's just like, there was a bunch of stuff interesting. Just like, if she interesting. didn't want to watch it, we weren't gonna watch it, but hey, Arnold, she liked. Because I think she recognized that it wasn't condescending, and that she could also watch it and appreciate stuff about it that I wasn't necessarily getting. Um, But I remember that Hey Arnold was one of the few that she was like, "No, this one's good."
1: It is good,
0: is the thing. Like what your mom tapped into is the fact that you know we're all adults here. We sat down, we watched some Hey Arnold, and it holds up in a way that not to not to keep shitting on Doug, but (laughs) I liked Doug, but but just to bring it full circle because I do feel like. As someone who's coming into this completely cold and not knowing this world, really, um, this show actually spoke to me. Like, I feel like this show actually connected on a way um, with adults that those other shows weren't really attempting to do. So, I'm not really mm-hmm. slagging them. I'm just saying, like that they were just aiming at a, at a younger demo and they were going at something that was just very, yeah. um, you know, slightly. I don't want to say easier, but just different. different. Um, whereas, yeah, yeah This show's doing something. Uh, really special so yeah I I, I just think
2: I always found it interesting that he came out of he came out of Rugrats and you can see some of like you can see some of that in Hey Arnold but this is very much a different thing that I do find can get much deeper in a way that continues to speak to me like I I think the reason why I I hold on to it so much is because this was a show that I recognized early on as being good and it's Mm -hmm. so nice to go back and be like oh it's actually good. It's not just that I thought it was good at the time. Yep. It wasn't Sabrina the Teenage Witch and I just like, <laughs> thought it was fun. It's actually yep. good. And that's always such a relief. And I'm sure that that's something you guys talk about a lot on this kind of show where you're Absolutely. like, was it good? Or did we just think it was entertaining well, we, at the time? Uh, uh, yep. We've both. had
1: both experiences. We've had both, sure, We sure. certainly had, had experiences where we were humiliated for our younger selves and other <laughs> times where we felt like we were, you know, little, little sages. Yeah, so this one absolutely. definitely makes me
2: feel pretty smug about my early yeah. TV taste. So, and, which is, cool. as, as a TV critic, <laughs> I must be smug about my TV choices. <laughs> absolutely. So absolutely. This is one of the Can first you, ones that let me do that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Can you tell us what you love right now? Smugly, yeah. What I love right now.
2: That's a good question. I I just I'm, I'm just back from a two week vacation. I feel like I don't understand anything that's happening now because I don't know when anything's on. I'm like watching everything that's not even on. Let me look. Um, I mean, White Lotus, great. Sure, I sure. knew early on that that would be a thing, but I am gratified by the fact that it is, and very pleased, um, actually, <laughs> that it's getting in a second season in a way that I feel like makes sense. Because I agree. I was very much a vocal. I was vocally against Big Little Lies season two, and I was right.
1: You were right. I was
2: right. Um, but I feel like. <laughs> I was like, if you Oakley
1: same- against season one.
2: Huh. Wow, well, I like speaking season of, one more than speaking I. Speaking
1: of, to, that's but. what I think of when I think a therapy session's done for the sake of having a character come out uh-huh. and say exactly uh-huh. what she's thinking. Sure, sure. Yep. Um, that's yeah, fair. that, that's that was
2: definitely a shortcut. I mean, that's. Well, a the very thing about David Big e- Little Lies, thing, though, so
0: when when Kenny and I were uh, back when that was on, and then the second season announcement came out, I was like, if they just use Big Little Lies as an umbrella for the same cast, but a different. Well, murder that's mystery, what I was just going to say, that would have been interesting, like, but I, I don't want to yeah.
2: very much in favor of that cuz obviously the cast yeah. loved each other and had sure, a good chemistry, sure. but they yeah. didn't do that and that's a shame. Um so yeah. White Lotus good, Ted Lasso very good. Very um good, I man. will say, you no, know, without spoiling anything that I'm very into what the season is doing and I awesome. think it's extremely like they very self-consciously were like we want to make this a darker season, people are going to face their shit. Um, so they do. And the therapy yeah. obviously plays a part in that. And I really appreciate that Sharon does become much like more of a character in her own right. Cause <laughs> I do feel like, and this is something we didn't touch on, but you know, the black woman therapist is such yes. a trope. And I feel like yes. there are a couple shows this year between Ted Lasso and Uzu Aduba in, in yeah. treatment mm-hmm. that are very consciously pushing back against that um, trope and making that person more of a character. Um, so Ted Lasso good. And also um, I will say as someone who, over the pandemic became much more um, intensely obsessed with the premier league because what else was I doing? Um, <laughs> I think it's quite timely that Ted Lasso was talking about mental health and sports and soccer. Yes. Um, yes. As we saw sure. with also Simone Biles in the Olympics. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they, t- they clearly tapped into something that is mm-hmm. in, the, in the water right now. So I think that that's um, great. I would also like to remind people that Tuka and Birdie is airing a second season on Cartoon Network. Mm-hmm. It is not on Netflix. I know that it's yeah. not as easy. <laughs> but it's still a great show and you should still watch it. You need to
0: check it out. I've not I've not seen it's that. It's got a third one, season. So.
2: And yeah. it just got a third season, which I'm very pleased mm-hmm. about because I mean, Lisa Hanna Walt is part of the reason, it's a big part of the reason why BoJack Horseman was as fun and interesting as it was. You know, she designed yeah. all those characters. Um so seeing what comes from her own brain more directly for her own show was really cool and I'm very glad she got the chance to do it again.
0: Well, it, and that kind of brings us full circle in the sense that, and I'm curious as to your thoughts on animation that's aimed at adults. Because mm-hmm. it does feel like that is a hurdle for a lot of people. I know mm-hmm. I have lots of friends that getting them to watch an animated show feels like a chore. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It, and, and and I think it's really interesting to see Bojack is an example of that. I mean, I think to a certain extent, Rick and Morty is a, is a, a version of that. Um, just sort of trying to break down that barrier and I think in its own way Hey Arnold was kind of trying to do that as well in terms Mm -hmm. of thinking slightly outside the box trying to push the boundaries of of what we preconceived notions of animation and I'm assuming that um uh forgive me uh Tuca and my apologies Birdie uh, Birdie, (laughs) yes um is trying to do that as well um do you I mean do you think that it's that it's working? Do you think that it's getting through to people? I mean, as someone who's obviously clearly hair and old, had quite a defect on you in the sense that (laughs) you're still watching a lot of animated shows. Do you feel as though it's, it's finally breaking down some of those barriers?
2: Um, yeah, I don't know. I think if people want to be snoppy about animated shows, I'm not sure how much you can really change their minds. um, Right. Unfortunately, but I think, people who are interested in good television and creative storytelling should give more of them a shot because in animation, yeah, you can do different things. Um, you can push some stuff. You can have bigger performances in a way. Like I think of something like, I don't know, a Bob's burgers, that show could not be animated and could still be that show, but mm-hmm. it's such a part of the fabric of the show that it is because totally. um, yeah. it's a tone and a vibe thing. Right. And if you're not into that, I just, I think it's a shame to write off um, any genre. Um, I say that also being an enormous like horror wimp myself. Um, so horror is not my thing generally, but I wouldn't necessarily write off the entire genre as being not like bad, obviously. right? I think there's good, bad, and mediocre stuff in any genre. I think that's mm-hmm. the same for animation, but good and great animation is worth it. Um, and immersive in a way that I think um, other shows might not be like, I definitely find that when I get into an animated show, like, like Hey Arnold, like Steven universe, like Duke and Birdie, I, I get enveloped in the world in a way that is like very easy for me to just sort of, um, you know, it's both of our world and of its own world. Sure. I, I don't know if I'm explaining that. Um, no, well, no, no. I, I do I... think that there's, there's something to that. <laughs>
0: I think that Kenny and I, I know that we've had this discussion on, on numerous occasions as writers when we're developing things, because there are moments with certain projects where you say to yourself, well, maybe this is animated, right? Like, it. this gives me, it gives us a freedom to do things that we can't do when it's live action. Also, budgetarily speaking, there's all sorts of things that you can do, obviously, through animation that, that is much harder to do in live action. Um, and I would say as a viewer, you feel that freedom, right? Like, there's just that ability for them to do Kind of anything they want, which I think to some viewers is exciting, and to other viewers feels you know as though it, it's it's not bound to anything. Which I think uh, you know. But I do you do you agree, Kenny? Do you feel like in terms of your stuff, have you ever considered doing? I think there's been stuff you've thought about doing animated. I've,
1: well, I had an animated show at FX, didn't get picked up, um, but I kind of consciously wrote it like it was a seventy sitcom starring George Segal. So sure. It might be why. I didn't one does. But um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, you're always as I said in our last talk with Sarah, you know, I don't like to be boxed in um in any way and kind of leave it leave, leave all the options open in terms of sure. format for whatever I'm doing. But, Can I
2: actually say I think um, speaking please. of 70s yeah. sitcom, I just remembered another part of the episode I wanted to quickly
1: absolutely um, yeah. Yeah.
2: mention is that um, you know there's a, that part of the episode where like it, it is the flashback and it's done almost as like a sitcom like a you know you hear the laugh track because there's a TV it's on in like the background of, and it's like
1: it's like out of Natural Born Killers I know. <laughs>
2: It's so, it's it's really, I think that's just so well done. And I watched it and I was like, Kevin can F himself who like, (laughs) look at what they did (laughs) in 99. And also, you know, that's something that like in live action, I really do admire how they like go for it. And Kevin can F himself, but it's like, it's hard. That's a hard thing to pull off. And in the animation, it's that much easier to kind of like go Mm -hmm. between the genres and make that, um, sort of thematically appropriate for what she like she she imagines this sort of like fucked up family sitcom mm-hmm. in her head when she imagines her past and i just remember i that's not a moment i remembered before re-watching this for this episode and i was yeah. like that was smart like it's just a yeah there's episode. a
0: meta textuality for sure to it that idea of that that acknowledgement of of uh, other medium and it's it's it's, it's pretty brilliant
1: yeah, what do you think of kevin can himself
2: <laughs> I haven't seen the whole season yet um I liked what I saw of it um I thought that it was um i thought it was really interesting and um that i I like seeing Annie Murphy do more stuff because before she before they swept the Emmys I was like she is the undersung person and then she won an Emmy. so now I can't say that <laughs> um, but I, I think she's i think she's so good um i do and now I, after I wrote my review, um, do you guys know John Levenstein? He was a Kroll Show producer and what? Arrest Development yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that. Um, he replied, in his like big sticking point at the show, and I can't totally fault him. He was like, "In what, which ones of these like sitcoms does the wife just take it? Like the wife's always like being mean back." And I was like, "Well, that's true." Like, so yeah. it, kind it goes back of, to like, like the
0: Honeymooners. I mean, it's, it's like you could go. It's 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 pretty right. amazing. So it just how- kind of
2: like undermine its own premise in that way but i think you know the the yeah. people doing the sitcom acting are nailing it um i think it's interesting and frankly i would rather have interesting and you know maybe not as successful than you know fine and boring
1: i completely That's, agree with you i agree um, on that for sure i i, sure. I, I I've, like i've watched four episodes of it and i'm rooting for it very hard um because yes, why wouldn't you want stuff that breaks out of the mold and whatnot? I don't had the same issue that John Levenstein has. Uh, I I don't even <laughs> I mean, do I love it. Him. It
2: was such a hymn. Like I I love John. I've known him for a while, and it was just such a hymn note to make. Sure, where he was sure. just like, mm, I don't know that that trope makes sense. And I was like, fine, John, <laughs> but like it's like it's interesting. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, like
1: I I stay I, I, I the, the 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 inciting incident of that shows that shows conception being that Aaron Hayes was written off the show when they felt like they didn't fucking need her. Killed off the show. Yeah. Killed off the show when they're like, we can get Leah Remini and do, you know, the, the, the the covert season of King of Queens. That's enough. Like I, 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 that, like that's enough. Like I, it's not really about that. It's, whatever. I don't need. it wasn't even I wasn't even going to defend the show. I was I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of thrilled by shows like that root for it very hard. My issue with the show, and this is very executive-y and uh, like the worst executives who I, I, I want to go away is uh, how do you keep this going? Um, right. But, right. You, but, you know, how do you keep Ted Lasso going? Like the, the great writers find a way. So yeah. you know. I also they, think
0: we've, we have got to a place now where uh, you don't need five seasons of a show. I mean, they've been pretty open about Ted Lasso perhaps only being three seasons long. Yeah, that's always been the plan. I I think that um, it's taken... This hemisphere a very long time to get on board with what the Brits have been doing. It seems since the invention of television, which is we're going to do as many of them as it's good. And if we feel about... like we're done, we're done. Don't you um, that money, 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 shows, money, 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 money,
1: money, money, money,
2: money, money. British shows have six episodes, or they have six hundred. There's yeah, no one to that was one of the good places. I think oh, one of the good places yeah. best jokes about yes. that. Like one of her favorite no. shows, like running for thirty years, it has twelve episodes, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> it's brilliant. That is
0: good. Um, well, thank you so, so much for talking about Hey Arnold. Yeah, no, Carol. Thank
2: you for letting me and I'm so glad you like the show. Please oh, let me was, know if you keep watching it. It's great.
0: This was a blast. It, this was, uh, again, one of the great things about this podcast, I think I can speak for Kenny, is getting exposed to stuff that we just didn't either know existed or hadn't watched before. And this was just a really lovely uh, mm-hmm. addition to the pantheon of 1999. So we really do appreciate it.
2: I love that.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, Caroline. One last thing. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, Speaking of subscribing, check out our Patreon on all the best films of 1989. Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Fabulous Baker Boys, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, Field of Dreams, Major League, and many, many more. We are covering all the best films of 1989 with amazing guests like Joanna Robinson, Liz Hanna. Please check out our Reddit as well at reddit.com/podcastlikeits. We're also on Twitter at Podcast Like It's 1999. We're also on Instagram at Podcast Like It's 1999. Uh, thank you so much to Ernie and Will for producing our episodes, Sullivan for our social media, Jan Katas for our amazing art and theme songs. And most of all, thank you all for listening.